Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very accomplished tech and impact entrepreneur from Dubai, UAE, Mr. Karnika E. Yashwant, also referred to as Mr. Key. Key, welcome to the program. Hey, I'm very, very happy to be here and uh, honored. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Key is the founder of Key Difference Media and Forward Protocol. He's an impact entrepreneur who has built and supported the next billion dollar startups. In the blockchain space, he has co-founded Forward Protocol as well as founded Utopian Capital and Key Difference Media. And he's an adventure sports enthusiast. So Key, let's before we talk about blockchain and crypto, tell me a little bit about your own journey. Sure thing. So I was in my 10th grade and uh, I felt like I was in, a, in, in stuck in a position there where I couldn't bring my full interest to life. Mm -hmm. So I finished my 10th grade, but stopped my education thereafter. Mm -hmm. I was 14 years old. I started my business. I already knew computer programming languages. So I started uh, making websites and so on, and then moved on to the industry of content marketing, where mm -hmm. I found uh, my perfect fit. And in 2013, I stumbled across blockchain when some of my clients started using Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. And uh, from there, it's been a 10 years of long journey specialized okay. in this one sector. I have uh, interests in uh, many areas of life, uh, from writing philosophy to uh, adventure sports and uh, public speaking and a lot more. Uh, but end of the day, everything has been uh, uh, contributing to each other and uh, it, it's been an exciting journey. Fascinating, fascinating. So let's talk about blockchain and crypto. I mean, you know, you discovered in 2013, 10 years ago, but people are still trying to understand what is blockchain and crypto. So my first question is, can you explain blockchain, te blockchain technology in simple words? Sure. Um, I think what is very important when we talk about blockchain is before we consider that to be a technology, it is a philosophy. Hmm. Blockchain came into existence uh, because there is a problem in the world. There is a problem that is uh, becoming bigger and bigger by the day. And that can only be resolved if community comes together hmm. and there's transparency and everybody are part of the process, not just one entity who figures everything out, which nobody knows what's happening. Mm. So it is that decentralized control and making sure everybody's part of that equation. That philosophy is the premise mm. of everything blockchain. Mm. Uh, because the moment we understand why something is created, it's easy to understand what it is. Mm. So blockchain in a very simple term is as the name suggests, it's a series of blocks connected as a chain. So every block stores data that refers to the previous block. Hmm. So now when a block is created, you cannot go and modify what is existing in the previous blocks. Hmm. So it is a database, just like any other database out there, hmm. uh, just that this database is not stored in one location, hmm. but by everyone who is validating, that is verifying and creating these blocks, which could be a common map. Mm. And this is stored across the world. And to destroy one of this, someone has to take over 51% or a major part of everyone who stores the data, mm. uh, which is like cloud, but then cloud is still a company 
a single entity who has those servers. Mm-hmm. In this instance, uh, it's individual. So it's mm-hmm. not like a single takedown notice and you took down a network. You cannot do yeah. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's a very, very high level view. And, 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 you know, and for the common person, that's a very, very great explanation you've just given us. So, uh, Key, what are the differences between public and private blockchains? And how can each one be effectively used in different industries or businesses? Okay, so the public blockchain is just that the data uh, could be still public or private, the visibility, Mm -hmm. but it is controlled, the validators, the nodes, or uh, those who are uh, hosting the information is everyone. It Mm -hmm. is open for a good part of the world, and the information is out there. so people can see the transactions. They can. They need not understand the data in there, uh, but then uh, you can see what is happening between the parties because uh, everything is happening in uh, in the blockchain, which can be looked at in Blockchain Explorer, right. which is where you read the information or you see the data through mm. the Explorer. Uh, in a private blockchain, it's everything is private, as the name suggests. Hmm. Uh, so the primary difference of use cases is if it is an enterprise, a company uh, who is running something for themselves, for hmm. their organization, they could run it very well private. They don't need hmm. to depend on a public infrastructure. Right. Uh, it's something that they could use for their inter-company uh, usage. And uh, that's something that you, you can think Think about it this way. They're looking to have transparency within the company, but they're not really looking at being decentralized. It's a company's infrastructure. They don't want that uh, decentralization as a benefit for them. Mm. If they want decentralization benefit, then they go on to a public network uh, or they could also create their own public network, which involves more than one company or the party mm-hmm. and they can run it. So in those instances, they do have a cost, an increased cost involved because mm. there are more parties involved. Uh, but it also gives them the uh, ability to stay decentralized beyond just the part of uh, transparency. Right. Public networks are obviously more secure than mm-hmm. the private networks. Uh, but the question really is, uh, what are you using it for? Mm-hmm. Like any technology, the first question is, every technology is great. But whether is it for you is a question that you need to answer based mm-hmm. on uh, what you are looking for from that technology. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. My next question is that how does blockchain technology enhance security and transparency? And what are some of its limitations? Okay. So it increases security because now it's not a one entity or one company that's controlling. So it's diversified, uh, which is great. And uh, even the founder of a network need not, if structured right, need not know Mm. every other party involved, Mm. uh, which is even more secure. Uh, because the whole point is to not be centralized in any manner or form. Mm. And uh, the technology is also evolving at an extremely fast pace, Mm. uh, which is good because uh, this is the first time in the human history we have tens and thousands of social, economic, and security experiments Mm -hmm. happening at the very same time. Mm. In the past, it's like once in a few hundred years, a new government comes with a new way of doing something mm. and that is tested upon. But now it's every day and uh, that gives, uh, that paves way 
for incredible amount of innovation mm -hmm. and testing to figure out what works and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. um, of course, any experiment comes with its risks, which is part of the uh, innovation process. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is being handled and uh, processed because every individual who's taking part in mm -hmm. that experiment is doing it at his or her own risk. Mm -hmm. So uh, the security is uh, something that has been evolving and uh, continues to. The industry is extremely small still, uh, but as the industry expands, everything is going to uh, become better. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's pretty much the part of the process. Mm -hmm. Well said. And uh, how can blockchain technology help solve challenges in different parts of businesses? But I wanted to understand because people say supply chain management becomes very efficient with blockchain technology. And I'd love to get your perspective. I believe supply chain is one of the most uh, important places where it impacts. Of course, blockchain is going to be everywhere, just mm -hmm. like Web2 revolution databases, they were everywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, so blockchain is no exception. Uh, but with supply chain, it's just more of a, both a process-driven and an experiential thing. So it's a place where uh, you could see where let's say you, you you buy a product you could see where every part of the product comes from uh ingredient the raw materials where is it coming from who manufactured it uh, which specific person in that manufacturing organization in that particular location mm -hmm. has taken part in it uh, all of that data can be uh, visible so that the moment you buy and look at a product you can see like a map everything everything mm -hmm. of this journey of the last year or two years involved in that product's life cycle uh, because most of the time if you track track back to the earliest of the raw materials mm -hmm. it could have even so been sourced like three years five years ago mm -hmm. uh, what if you could see all this information uh, what if you uh, are able to visualize this and mm -hmm. even go one step forward to experience it uh, you have these uh, non-fungible tokens nfts which most of the people have heard about it for speculative reasons right. but they can actually store uh, uh, this data in a beautiful form that you're able to bring every product to life as a premium mm. special product because it's not every product is not manufactured the same way uh, mm. there is a story to it so if a product has that story you can bring it record that make mm. it part of that manufacturing process to record every single production unit mm. uh, say if it's a car if it's a, a bottle of wine where you can create a story around it you could do that and make it part of that product purchase so the user buying it is not just buying uh, one of the million products produced mm -hmm. but a specific product where this guy named xyz sitting in a country whichever country it is mm -hmm. producing this the video recorded as part of that particular purchase so you buy it you know where everything is sourced mm -hmm. you are no longer feeling bad that maybe the product has used child labor or maybe mm -hmm. the product has used something illegal out there mm -hmm. you're able to see all of that mm -hmm. and it is in line with the values mm -hmm. again this is a technology which provides ability for you to do that whether mm -hmm. a company does that or not and whether they are being honest in the process or not is a separate story there. Mm. But this ability exists to create a story around the product and make a purchase not only a trackable, but also an experience. Mm. And that's a beauty. It, it, the blockchain has so many combinations of how you could build something around it. Uh, it's left to the creativity of the users and uh, business owners mm. to make that work. How oh, fascinating. What a great response. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit now about cryptocurrencies and crypto and blockchain are very, very closely linked to each other. 
My question is with the rise of cryptocurrencies, how do you think the integration of blocktail technology will impact traditional financial institutions? Okay, so we already can see that a good part of uh, institutions in many parts of the world are starting to explore and adopt and even provide a digital custody for uh, the crypto pro uh, products. Hmm. So that's already starting to happen and uh, all others are looking at it as either their infrastructure for them to use it mm -hmm. uh, because it makes their process easier, uh, especially mm -hmm. the inter-country, uh, inter-geographical settlements, uh, things that could be faster, quicker, their self-accounting and mm -hmm. many more. It makes their life so much easier, cuts down a lot of redundancy, mm -hmm. uh, makes it, uh, brings it to a point where they're always ready for verification and uh, they are uh, up to the, uh, uh, you know, up to date at all times. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't really need to do a reconciliation at a particular day of the week and uh, work on something, paperwork to make uh, everything look good. Mm -hmm. um, while uh, they can use it for infrastructure, that's one thing, but the in interest in the market is increasing for digital uh, currencies or cryptocurrencies. Mm. Uh, and it's important for them not to lose out on a particular revenue and a segment of customers because if they don't cater to it, someone else will. Right. And uh, it's a matter of uh, market share, revenue, and retaining customers. Mm. Uh, while all this exists, uh, the, uh, there are new set of native Web3 native companies that are coming up who are providing these product services in the native way the blockchain community understands. Mm -hmm. So now the question is, uh, why would someone use a traditional company to access the same digital products which you could using a Web3 or a blockchain native company? Mm. It's mostly the regulation because these entities are structured appropriately for regulation and they might serve better for a lot of institutions, funds, and so on. Uh, whereas a direct Web3 native company would be a perfect fit for retail individuals and mm. small businesses, et cetera. Mm. Uh, that might change a lot in the days to come, sure. Uh, things can go either way based on uh, who is progressing ahead. So mm. if the regulations are becoming harder and harder, mm. these institutions will outperform. Uh, but if there's a breakthrough, and the regulation side, then uh, the uh, Web3 native companies will outperform. So mm. it's a competition between both of them in one way. Uh, but the other side, it is also when collaboration because uh, these entities in the traditional world need the Web3 native companies to guide them to help structure mm. their offering by either acquiring them or investing in them, which is something we have seen quite often happen, uh, just not publicly. A lot of those things happen in a proxy names because uh, many of these companies do not necessarily want to associate You're them right. as right. pushing the agenda right. forward. Uh, but yes, it, it, it's both a competition and a collaboration happening at the same time. And uh, some of the decisions by the governments would pretty much decide which side is going to take the edge. Mm, well said. There is also a lot of discussion. And you know, when I was reading, preparing for my conversation with you, there is a lot of also discussion about the environmental impact of blockchain technology, specifically relating to energy consumption of cryptocurrency. And you're also an impact entrepreneur. So I thought I'd ask you, what are your perspectives? That's a, that's a very uh, good question there. Um, this is a part which I think we need to dive a little more deeper on in terms of data and statistics to mm -hmm. determine because um, when you look at uh, 
the top currencies, let's use the example Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, Ethereum recently moved from something called proof of work, which is energy consuming, mm -hmm. to proof of stake, mm -hmm. which is not necessarily consuming that amount of energy to process. Mm -hmm. uh, there's still servers in use, which is similar to uh, any company having servers, but mm -hmm. of course there are more servers here in play, uh, but it is not using the energy uh, or the uh, computation based on uh, the uh, energy used to decide uh, how the network works. Mm -hmm. uh, while there are merits to both, uh, it's believed uh, from statistical data that uh, the total net energy consumed here is far less compared to, let's say, the banking system. Mm -hmm. And the amount of cars and flights that go around, the millions mm -hmm. of offices around the world, Correct. and the total effort and energy mm -hmm. used in a process like that, and the process of running mm -hmm. and uh, monetary, existing monetary systems. Right. Uh, Bitcoin, if it is considered as one of the uh, monetary systems in play, mm -hmm. uh, which has also survived not as mm -hmm. few hundred years like the traditional ones, but uh, for over 10 years right now, and it is used more widely uh, than every previous year as mm -hmm. it passes. Um, it is a system which has a specific limit. It's a currency. It is something that people can store value in and transfer. And uh, it has many uh, features of an uh, currency. And it can be managed with uh, an ongoing set of uh, efforts needed to manage the network. And that mm -hmm. is substantially lesser uh, than what it takes to run mm -hmm. some of the other, more, even the smallest of the governments which are having their own monetary system mm -hmm. out there. Mm -hmm. So. While that might might not look like a, a, a nice comparison, uh, factually it is because any blockchain-based product is a government, a bank, and uh, a mint, and everything mixed together into mm. one. Mm. Uh, so I would look at it uh, in that perspective and determine if the uh, effort or the power that's put out there is mm. uh, valuable or not. Uh, but end of the day, from a user perspective, if I talk about a specific user, you or me, who is using money. I would rather spend some real energy to value the money rather than have somebody print the money at their whim and make the money in my hands less valuable by the day. Mm. So-called inflation, which we all talk about right now. Mm. Uh, if this is what makes it inflation proof, uh, I think there is a larger impact cost by a poor money management policies, mm. uh, which are being seen around the world right now, compared to the cost that is incurred here in terms of environment, in terms of energy expenditure, uh, to actually protect the social uh, and the economic baseline. Mm. Because end of the day, if you ask me, what is the best way to run the world? I would say nobody should be uh, bringing the hills and mountains down. Nobody should be cutting a tree down. And we all should be living only in flat lands where the land is flat and probably even human existence is a violation of the uh, beauty of the earth. Mm. Uh, so there is some cost always for us to exist. Mm. And if that cost is there, the question is, what is the least amount of impact that we are making mm. for the most amount of uh, results or productive uh, progress of the economy. Mm. And through that, uh, I believe Bitcoin is by far, far more effective than any of the existing systems in place. Mm. But you also have a lot of these other non-proof-of-work systems. Uh, most of the other networks are proof of non-proof-of-work. They use different mechanisms to protect, mm. uh, which are great to explore. Very interesting. Very interesting. There is another aspect that I thought I'll check with you. When I look at a perspective from governments on the value of the cryptocurrency, they generally say that 
in the case of the currency note, it is guaranteed by the central bank. And therefore, the common person like you and I know that every rupee that or every dollar or dirham that is there in my wallet uh, is secured by my country's central bank. Something like this doesn't exist for, 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 the, for cryptocurrencies or Bitcoin or Ethereum. How does the common man securitize uh, himself or herself and manage the risk? That's a very good question because with responsibility comes risk. Um, I travel around the world and uh, at least for the last few months, I've been traveling to uh, half a dozen countries. I went to a country uh, which has been, uh, it's, it's been a great country, uh, Lebanon. And uh, unfortunately, the central bank is down. Right. They, uh, things are, the, the currency value has been devalued mm. uh, from 1,500 to a dollar to 100,000 to a dollar. Correct. And uh, a couple of decades back, I mean, in I think 1970s, it was $2 for one of their currency. Right. So that is a devaluation. Where is the promise? If this is something that you're seeing, even with the purchasing power of the dollar, with the purchasing power of uh, uh, rupee or even drams, which is technically tied back to dollar, mm -hmm. uh, we are seeing that. So the promise is, uh, to me, an uh, perceived image created there. Uh, yes, the promise exists until the central bank falls, until uh, there is a uh, challenge that the government faces. Hmm. Uh, we have seen many smaller countries fall, and then the people are overnight, billionaires hmm. there or hmm. nobodies the other day. Hmm. So this issue continues to exist in the world. Yes, countries, uh, some countries are stronger than the others, uh, the, the US, India, and uh, many of these economies are very big, very strong. Uh, it just does not mean that they're infallible. Mm -hmm. uh, there are risks, at least not as much as going down to nothing, but they do face inflatory risk, mm -hmm. uh, which still means, yes, your uh, one uh, one currency is still uh, valued to one. Uh, it's always there, but what can you do with that as a question? Mm -hmm. uh, it's almost like uh, taking the uh, rug off your feet without you knowing it. The value mm -hmm. is going down substantially, right. and that's a problem. Mm. Uh, on the other hand, when it comes to crypto, it is important to understand the dynamics. Mm. Uh, if you want something safe, if you want someone taking care of everything for you, you are losing your control. So if that is what a user wants, then they are willing to lose the control. Let an entity make the choice for them. And there is there's a risk associated. They might do something wrong and this user might lose everything. Mm. If he or she is okay with that, that's their choice. Mm. Uh, but if someone does not want that, then they could choose the uh, crypto direction, mm -hmm. uh, which comes with responsibility on their side to mm -hmm. understand what's happening. Why would you choose a Bitcoin? Mm -hmm. Bitcoin has a limited uh, supply. Just someday they cannot decide, okay, we are running out of money uh, and uh, make some change there because there's no CEO, there is no president, there is no uh, way to increase that limit. It's okay. fixed, it's set, right? Uh, if you prefer that as a store of value, uh, one of the reasons why for hundreds of years, uh, wise men before us, uh, they use gold because right. gold was limited in its yeah. ability to be created. So they use gold, uh, but gold can still be mined. There's a mm. cost to mining. There is an energy effort and environmental uh, uh, hazards caused mm. in the process, but there's a cost to it. And it's a reserve that is very valid, uh, but people after them, thought that if they could bring more progress in the society, if they can remove, get off the standard, and they did, mm. and we know where we are right now. And if we were to go back to what worked in the social experiments of 
hundreds and thousands of years. Mm. Uh, we need to go back to something that is limited and or something that is even uh, going down in availability. So Bitcoin is limited in that sense. Mm. Uh, but yes, uh, the values, fair value of it is decided by the open markets. Uh, you still have for every one Bitcoin that you have, it's always valued at one Bitcoin. It doesn't go less. Uh, but what is that value is determined by the buyer and seller in the market Correct. and all the institutional forces. There are massive institutional forces, uh, entities trading it, traders uh, with large funds, hedge funds, and so mm -hmm. on. So mm -hmm. they are also out there profiting from it, just like in Forex market or Correct. any other market out there. Correct. Correct. Uh, but it is a means of value that you know some parts are taken care of, mm -hmm. uh, like the top limit. Uh, on the other hand, something like Ethereum is on the uh, a downward supply. It's again a beautiful structure. Mm -hmm. uh, Ethereum, by its very nature, is unlimited in its uh, mint. So it's always created every single day. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, the more the network is used, the more it is also burnt, something like removing out of the system. Mm -hmm. So on one hand, it's created. On the other hand, it is burnt. So the more it's used, it becomes deflatory in nature. Mm -hmm. So while the world is fighting against inflation, we have a currency which is deflatory, mm -hmm. which is beautiful. Mm -hmm. And now there are risks with that. There are risks because there's new policy changes that can happen. Uh, the validators can approve. There are new upgrades and updates that happen. So it is important, uh, just like in uh, any other uh, country, where the parliament can make and pass new bills, mm -hmm. new policies. Mm -hmm. Here, the community of Ethereum uh, validators mm -hmm. can pass new uh, laws in terms of uh, code. Okay. So. The only difference is that for hundreds and hundreds of years, if you're part of any country, you're used to the safety that the country is taking care mm -hmm. of your well-being. Mm -hmm. You didn't have a choice. You don't have you didn't have a choice 50 or 100 years before to say, okay, I don't want to hold my country's currency. I want to hold another country's currency. Mm -hmm. The forex trade is still prohibited in many countries. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't allow their citizen to be part of the monetary system of another region. Mm -hmm. Why are they scared? What is the problem if their citizen holds it? I know these are questions for a user to ask. Okay. Why would their country not allow them mm -hmm. to take part in something else? If you have gold, uh, you your country cannot say that. You you cannot have silver, you cannot have copper. When you can have that in commodities, why not have that in currencies? Okay. They are scared of something that is not spoken about. Mm -hmm. And if you look at these uh, limitations that they create, the amount of money you can take in, the amount of money you can take out, uh, they are all signs of how they control an mm -hmm. economy. But if they are, if all of that is kept open, that is a fair market. And I believe everything should be judged based on fair market, not okay. based on uh, control because we have seen in certain countries, mm -hmm. the countries' currencies are doing amazingly well in turn in, inside the country. The moment you go outside, when there's a globalization involved, they are not worthy at all. Mm -hmm. So you can always create a safe bubble for the citizens, but the reality speaks for itself Correct. when the, when it hits with the rest of the world. Yep. So yep. there are risks, but people should be educated mm -hmm. and they should understand what they're getting into, mm -hmm. uh, which they should be, even with the government, if they're using their fiat currencies, they should really know what bill is passed, where the country currency stands and what they hold. Is it cash? Is it paper? Is, is there a true value to it? And how much is the value 10 years before? What is expected value 10 years after? If the questions are asked, I think the fair currency or the fair hold of value will win. Mm, well said. <laughs> Fantastic response. Um, you know, Key, we've now run out of time, but I really want to say this has been an absolutely amazing conversation. 
I was actually listening to you completely wide-eyed because for me, while I thought I knew a little bit about blockchain and crypto, the amount of detail you have given me has made me think again of how little I know. Thank you for talking to me about blockchain in so much detail. Thank you for talking to me about crypto and so many different aspects of crypto. Thank you for speaking to me and good luck to you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.